from the sub-zero temperatures outside the studios in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to another edition of The Other Kind Radio. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd is your other host and will be on here shortly. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast where Todd and I take an hour or so and discuss that tasty bit that is pop culture. On this week's episode, Todd and I are going to break down and break down, deconstruct, to use a Chef Jeff term, the 2019 Oscars. Uh, we're going to talk about what were the best moments, worst moments, WTF moments, as well as, and I reluctantly do so, crown Todd the two-time Oscar prediction champion. It's really hard for me to say. I need just a second. For those of you who are familiar with the show and a returning listener, thank you, and I dub thee a kind listener. If this is your first go around with the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, grab your favorite beverage, uh, maybe uh, you're driving in your car, maybe you've got a, your favorite chair, sit back, relax, uh, and, uh, and if you don't mind, at the end of the show, if you could subscribe or give us some feedback or send us an email, we'll be more than happy to... Uh, uh, hear your thoughts and appreciate your input into that algorithm uh, that space-time uh, tear in the space-time continuum that is the uh, algorithm that creates podcast popularity and will help the show live on um, again for those audiophiles in the uh, in the audience um, it's about 20 below here in Omaha with Windchill and it's cold so i do have my heater on again um the new studio is about to get its first coat of paint so we're uh, making progress to improve things for you the audiophile that is a kind listener um let's see looking at my notes here next up um oh yeah if you do want to email us feel free to do so it's uh it's uh jeff at the other kind radio todd at the other kind radio or info at theotherkindradio.com, uh, the and uh, we'd love to hear your comments. And don't fret. For those of you who have been so kind to email us, we have an email show in the works where we will break down and read your emails and uh, have a good discussion about that. So on today's show, we're going to deconstruct the Oscars in three ways. We're going to talk about the fact, uh, was the fact there were no hosts, a genius or genuine bad idea? Uh, the ratings for the Oscars were up, so uh, that's interesting, trying to figure out why. And then we'll start reviewing that that number, that review of all the winners, and I'm sure Todd has uh, a few hot opinions about um, the results and, and uh, what came of it. Um, I know I do. There were a few kind of uh, hmm moments, um, so we'll talk about those. Uh, and speaking of winners, let's get a, the uh, old analog tuner out. Let's get this winner on the show. I just have to make sure I get the... Well, you know, I see I was going to be mean and play his least favorite sound effect, but I'll go ahead and see if we can tune him in. <clears throat> I know he's in Dallas. I'm sure it's 80 degrees and raining money. Todd, are you there? Do you read us, Todd? 
You know I'm here because you heard me snicker beforehand <laughs> when you said raining money, and I'd already brought my mic up, and so sorry about that audio glitch. There I just for the snicker. But I'm I just here. I just know it's a million times better down there. Weather wise, you know, it's probably free ice cream day. Well, here let me let me pull up the uh, old trusty phone and tell you that right now, Jeff, it's 34 degrees and raining here in Dallas. Is that a flip phone? It is a flip. phone. <laughs> I love to live in the relics of the past. <laughs> Did you see that phone coming out? Samsung's coming out with a with a uh, bendable phone. I didn't hear. So I, I was in a uh, I, I, I was in a coat. Oh my god! I you was were in on a, coat? a conference call. Use my words. <laughs> Slow down, Todd. Use your words. I was on a conference call yesterday. Or I'm sorry, day before. Okay, stop. <laughs> I got the sounder for you. Here you go. Try again. Wow! I was on a conference call the other day, and someone brought up that. The flip phone was coming back. Now, I knew about the, the Samsung bendable thing. They're right. really talking about that they're going to bring this back in a flip phone variety. Are they just referring to this as the flip phone? Um, well, we're talking about two separate things there. One is the actual flip phone, but Samsung's got its bendable, L, right. you know, unfolds to like, I think a it's like a seven and a half inch screen or something like that. And they want mm-hmm. they want two thousand dollars for that piece of technology. And the only thing that I saw that seems reasonable, that, right? That was <laughs> that was uh, a little disappointing is when it is folded mm-hmm. in half, the screen um, at which you can interact and use is like four point seven inches. So it's really? really small. It's very small in in comparison to the the length and width of the phone, and it's kind of big. It's it's kind of like carrying a uh, a miniature chess set in your pocket. For yeah, all those I, for all those kind listeners are now googling <laughs> miniature chess set. Chess sets. You know, because Jeff actually carries one on his belt. I don't know if anyone knew yeah. that, but anywhere he goes, he's ready to play chess at all times. Right. But you I, know, I, I I saw the pictures too, and I thought, boy, that it really does look like a little monolith you're carrying around. But we go. all know this: if they're gonna, if this technology will advance, these will be the first. To where everybody looks back and goes, "Oh my God, do you remember when?" Right. So, I mean, it's a cool idea. I don't need it. I don't no. find myself ever clamoring for God. I wish I had a bigger screen. My yeah. phone is just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what iPads are for, and computer screens are for. Good point. Yup. Um, so, did you have a good weekend? Um, did you did you do some archery uh, due diligence? Well, as one of my musician friends put it yesterday, I went from being dad to rock started dad i had an archery tournament ran over to play a gig ran off to be with my daughter for another archery tournament so today uh sunday is going to be a quiet day where we do nothing other than we're going to go take my wife's car to get the well changed we are going to be very mm. quiet so once i'm done talking to you i plan to talk to no one for the rest of the day <laughs> that's funny so uh, yeah because uh for those of you that follow me on twitter it's uh, uh at Talk Radio Jeff, T-O-K-R-A-D-I-O-J-E-F-F. I did post that you guys were playing at 1 p.m. at the Grapevine Tap Brewery. I did, in fact, post the wrong band name. I had Chevy Van, and you were City Folk. Yes. How did the gig go? Were there lots of people there? Did you drink beer? Okay. How did the gig go? Well, well you know, uh, as I will often say to our good friend Steve, there are those gigs where, to you, the musician, you know that you didn't do that well. Right. But everybody out there probably, because they're not really listening, doesn't notice. But it was a good gig. People interacted with us. We got a lot of good feedback. And to finally tell you, yes, I did drink beer. But the the more entertaining thing is that coming from an archery tournament, I was wearing my big 
Allen High School, where my daughter attends school, hoodie sweatshirt. Hmm. I would like to pass on to all the musicians <laughs> in the world that it's probably not a wise idea to play a gig when you're in a hoodie sweatshirt. Okay. Because about halfway through the first set, I thought I was going to faint. Hmm. So I had to run out in a set break, at uh, which point you'll love that Steve set up the, the, the mixing board precariously, and all of a sudden we just heard crash. <gasps> Uh-oh. And it flipped oh. and smashed down. It didn't break anything. Tough little board. But uh, while he did that, I went and bought a t-shirt and came back looking sexy in my shirt. And it was a, a great gig after that. But thank you for asking. How was your weekend, Jeff? Uh, mine was pretty quiet. Uh, we had a giant snowstorm, and it's really cold here um, in Omaha. And speaking of, of gigs, I, you know, every once in a while, I like to give you ideas as far as songs that you guys should play. And this one, for whatever reason has been stuck in my head um, all weekend. I have no idea why. We'll see how long it takes for you to identify it. From a distance. Yes. Is it really? Yes. From a distance. So, are, all, are you telling me I sound like Bette Midler? No. I'm just saying we all... I don't know. I shouldn't say we all. Thank you, Bet. No, no, we're good, Bet. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, good. Um, it's hard to get her in the studio and all that stuff set up just for that little bit. Does she um, have a big entourage? She does. There's probably about 74 people here right now. Wow. Who are being incredibly quiet <clears throat> because I told them if they were loud, I'd put them outside. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I always wake up with a song in my head. I, I, I generally every day, and I used to do a bit on Facebook where I would post what that song was every day. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, Saturday morning woke up and just was like, hmm, where did this come from? Because I thought it was pretty closely tied to a movie, but I guess it's not. Maybe wow. it's been mo- been used in a movie, but it's not like Wind Beneath My Wings or anything else that she... Uh... So, yes, I've been uh, walking around with that song stuck in my head, um, which is driving me a little crazy. Do you wow, wake up you with know, songs in your head? Do you wake up every morning? I don't usually wake up with a song in my head, but unlike my, my wife, who is one of those people that the moment she hears a hook, that song never leaves. Yeah. I, I really go looking for the hook. And, and sure, they'll stick with me for a while, but no, I don't wake up with music in my head. I'm sorry. Well, good. Speaking of hooks, uh, I did speak to Beaker, um, the January winner of the Talk Radio Listener of the Month dot com. <laughs> president of yes you, you mean the segment you didn't tell me about before you went and did it last yes. week i know which one you're talking about and it was elaborate you know bit that i thought was was hilarious and of course at the the cost of maybe some listeners um i went through with it and you know made an impossible code for him to follow and never mentioned his prize and everything and i got a text from him and he called me an ass <laughs> Oh, <laughs> which, which, you that's know, my term of endearment yeah, for you. He's like ass. I'm like, yeah, but, and so I texted back, but it was funny. Right. And he's like, oh yeah, it was funny. So, like, okay, good. So Beaker <laughs> and I, we're still on good terms. Uh, he is in fact the, uh, January listener of the month and, and Todd and I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of getting the studio rebuilt and everything, but we're going to work. We'll get some t-shirts. We'll get some mugs. We'll get something and put that out there and, and have some, the kids call it, and maybe maybe it's not kids. You've been a rock and roll star a lot longer than I have, but you know they call it merch. So we'll get some <laughs> merch and and sell some merch or give away some merch. Probably give away merch, but try and sell it. I'm sorry, I've quit doing autographs at my gigs, so Ooh. you have to man the merch table. Ooh, autographed coffee mug 
Yes, with Todd's signature on it. That's awesome. From your hand to their lips. Nope, nope, not that type of show. Sorry. We'll, <laughs> we'll back up. Uh, moving right along, we I want to bring this guest back. We haven't heard from her for a long time. Alexa, how you doing today? Like a kraken out of its cage. I'm feeling wild and free. Wow. Um, that wasn't scripted. Did you hear what she said? I did. And so I'm a Google house home and I'm now, I've never asked Google, how are you doing today? I will tell you my sassy daughter who does the segment yes. of what's the T-Sis. What's your T-Sis? So why is your dad said, doing phone conferences and coats, sis? So since you use the word ass, I'm going to be very transparent. My, my 16 year old child feels at least free enough with me, not her mother to tell when she curses. Mm. And she was just being her sassy self and she said do you know what i said this morning dad and i was oh, like god and she said i said hey google blah 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 and then she said okay i'll do this she went thanks bitch you know what google said back i prefer to be called google thank you very much i thought well you know at least they've got that in there and so then she said dad i want you to try all the words you won't let me say oh, and my... i tried it oh unfortunately Lord. google's not programmed to do anything more than the b word <sighs> right well and your your um uh, the expanse of your adult vocabulary probably is is starting a small viral uh, algorithm inside of Google that's going to shut it down because <laughs> nobody's oh <laughs> nobody you know those Todd words Hartzell put together. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so I did see um, that she is able to tell us jokes. So we'll we'll start it off here. Uh, Alexa, tell us a joke. Actually, my friend Jimmy Fallon wants to tell a joke. Let's give him a shot. What did the horse say to the scarecrow? Hey. So what do you think? <laughs> Should I let Jimmy tell the jokes for a while? No. No problem. I'll keep you laughing. But if you do want to hear one of his jokes, just say, tell me a Jimmy Fallon joke. Yeah, no, because then we'll have to pay him rights and we'll be in big trouble. But thank you anyway, Alexa. Now I have to pause so she doesn't listen. Um, okay, so that was on the run sheet and went in a completely different way that I thought it would be. Let's go move on to... Oh, hey, did you hear um, there's an artist... Sorry, I'm not sure. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> she's like the best co-host because she's about four seconds behind, um, which Todd is usually only about four and a half seconds behind. Two seconds behind. Uh, one second behind. Um <laughs> So did you hear the new music that's dropping? I, I well, Jeff, I don't know. Would you please tell me which new music is dropping? Well, you're this is somebody you are very, very, very fond of and follow quite closely. Oh, um, you may be telling me something new. I know there are a couple of bands that I like that I don't know that this is the would man be on your though. radar. I'm the, sorry. The man. Yeah, this isn't noiseless whisper spring hinge fifty seven from eighty seven song. Uh, Thunder so it's Whip. not Jamestown Revival, <laughs> right. which is a great band. You oh, should listen. Yes, a wonderful band. I just bought their CD. Um, <laughs> no, You're such an ass. This, <laughs> this is your guy, your man. You've seen him in concert probably fifty-seven times. Let me give you a hint. He rhymes with Bruce Springsteen. He has a new song. He has a new album, digital album that is dropping soon. 
I, I knew that he had stuff after he had done his long stint of Springsteen on Broadway where he told the stories of why he wrote the right. songs and of his life. I knew that he said he had stuff. I hadn't heard that it was coming out. And the A1 didn't think to get him another microphone. So all I heard the entire concert was, you know, growing up, uh, it was hard in the city of San Francisco when we'd go there. We'd say, we'd say, hey, guys, turn around. That's all I said. And that's how we wrote Thunder Road. <laughs> and guys, kind listener, I'm telling you, go watch it, not only because it is a great piece of uh, of art, but it literally is that, where he gets up and starts wandering around the stage, and you can't hear what he's saying. It's It, it was the funniest thing. I wonder if he did that on purpose. I think he really, you know, he probably used his longtime sound man and basically said, you know what, screw you. Um, I remember back when we played Helsinki in 03. Right. You did not do XYZ, so now I'm going to screw with when you. We used to, when we used to throw it down at the Cotton Pony. So so I'm just perplexed by this, Jeff. How did you find new Springsteen music? Because even as you said this, I went, really? So I had to jump over to Bruce Springsteen, unfortunately, .net. Yes, and there's nothing there. Where are you getting this? Um, I found it on Instagram. Okay. Um, from one of the cats that I follow. I'll bring it up now. Hopefully it's still there. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, Danny Bones 64. Uh, he writes uh, New Springsteen digital release from Devils and Dust Tour. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Devils and Dust tour was something he, 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 every once in a while, he'll do solo music where it is literally just him. And he might have a few members of the East Street Band. It's usually just him and studio musicians. So this, the uh, Devils and Dust tour was probably early thousands. Oh, oh. But yeah, he'll, he'll do that. He'll release some stuff. Let's hear what it, what it is. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. It'll be, I don't know. I don't have it pulled up or anything. But Wow. So this has been an entertainment segment where yes. Jeff told me about new music and, and had a whole thing on the run sheet that said, did you know new music? Yeah, yeah. And now I see it's talk. It's not new music. I thought you were <laughs> no. going to play something. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the best I can do is then again, recreate where Bruce Springsteen's talking and he goes away from the microphone. And, he still tries <laughs> and that's when I wrote Born in the USA. Um all right, so for the uh, the kind listener, this is stuff that was recorded in Trenton in 2005, um, and it record it, it's a lot of his old album cuts and some things that didn't make it on albums that he'll still play. So it looks like some good stuff. I can't wait to dive into it. Unfortunately, we're not going to let you listen to it today. Right? Yeah. Unfortunately, Jeff bit so hard that it's new music. He didn't even research it. So you know, there we go with consistency. And if you're interested in uh, following me on Instagram, I'm Talk Radio Host T O K R A D I O H O S T, and I'll try and post some more stuff on there. Um, well, there if you go. Follow Jeff there. He'll tease you with things and not pay it off. So it's really good. <laughs> just following. Right? You know how hard it is to do that? It's not that hard, not that hard at all. All right. Uh, then hopefully we'll go out with a little bit of a bigger bang on this next story, which I did see and kind of made me roll my eyes. And I'm trying to bring up the story right now. And I'm looking at um, uh, avclub.com. Steven Spielberg is gunning to make sure Netflix never has another Oscars contender like Roma. What is his problem? I mean, it's not like he's getting beat every year by a film that he's directed and, you know, Roma comes in and beats him. 
I just wonder what his his because again I said to you in the in the pre planning maybe I'm bringing this up a little too soon in this conversation but during the Oscars there was a commercial for a movie coming out called The Irishman and your memory your actor uh, memory retention is better than mine but I know it has some big hits it has Harvey Keitel it has dude from Board, Boardwalk Empire. Um, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. They start cutting new trailers. I want you to be the voiceover guy and guy from Boardwalk Empire. If you liked Friends, then you know that his acting is still going to be crappy. (laughs) Joey Fatone. No, it's not Joey Fatone. I can't remember his name. But um, Matt Matt LeBlanc. There you go. Um, But no, seriously, this has uh, big uh, Al Pacino, right? I mean, I guess I should pull it up. and Scorsese's attached. Did Scorsese direct it? I never. I came in late on the the commercial, and I thought, well, there was Scorsese named. Did he direct this? And I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have IMDb open. Yeah. So look, while we while we research into that, I'm pulling it up right now. It's okay, cool. got Anna Paquin, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, someone called C. Full Cast and Crew. I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, Jesse Plemons. Bobby oh, C- wow. Cannavale, Ray, Ray Romano, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel, Jack Houston, Stephen Graham, Sebastian Masica, Carlana, Dominic Lebedam, and Holm. And Who's it directed of, by? Um, it's directed uh, by, by, by Martin Scorsese. Okay, so in, in, the, in the history of film... I can safely say for myself that, you know, I grew up of that era where I loved Spielberg and I still do. And even his lesser films are still something to me you see because you see so much genius thrown up there and he understands truly how to tell a, a visual story. Right now, Steven Spielberg to me is no different than the music, the music uh, conglomerates that lost it when people started trying to share music through Napster. Right, they right, right. didn't seize on it and understand this is how people want to consume what we do. People don't want to go to the cinema anymore. I, as a true cinemaphile, I've lost my desire for the things I've said before. I don't want to go in where when I see a quiet place, some kid's unwrapping his candy. I don't want to sit next to the person that stinks i don't want people talking all these different reasons i can recreate something in my house even if i just go buy a 50 inch tv and sit close enough i still get that experience of being consumed by the image the sound quality is fantastic if i buy a surround sound system spielberg is wrong that goes back to the thing when they all tried to say that they don't believe cinema is something shot on high def because it's video and there's something about the way that emulsion when it goes through and passes through the lens and it's exposed to light that cinema no it's not cinema now that's part of it the way you expose and get an image uh, recorded is part of it the art of cinema is the art of visual storytelling and i when i heard this i thought i am slowly losing respect for you i i don't understand this it is so stupid he's going to be part of it it's going to tarnish the end of his career with this persistent idea that somehow Netflix and these things cannot be deemed as a movie. So 
I don't understand it. I think it's wrong. I think there we're very close to a day where the the megaplexes that are out there are going yeah. to be reduced. Yeah. You'll instead have places where you see a couple of big movies, yeah. and we'll see the smaller movies at home. I just I don't see how this business model can sustain anything else. Well, and to follow up on that too, I think you'll see more movie houses doing what they should be doing now, which is showing um, some of those those short films. We'll talk about when we review the Oscar winners that nobody can see. I can't tell you how frustrating and had a big conversation about it during the Oscars that you know you, some of these you can't see and like you said $17 which is much much more than just going in to see it at a matinee to watch it at home and I mean I even watched uh, uh, Ralph Wrecks the Internet the Pixar movie um, or DreamWorks or whatever it was uh, Disney and it was a funny movie, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't worth $20 to buy it. You know, I waited for it to be available on rental. So some of these movie houses, those that are forward thinkers, those some of those cats that are, that are out there and forward thinking like a Cuban or somebody, there's ways for them to generate revenue and there's ways to do it. And I know right now the trend is gourmet food and bar and um, Sweet Catherine and I went and went to a bar, went to a movie theater one night. We we're going to go see a movie. We sat down at the bar. We got there early. We figured we'd have a drink. The drink was awful. Um, it was. It was. I mean, the guy was bragging about it, and it was. It was horrible. It was a Bloody Mary with sugar in it. I don't know how you do that, and it just ruined the experience. But before I forget, um, I am reading this article here from um, AV Club, and it says the studio complaints uh, about Netflix break down into a few simple categories. The first, and I didn't know this, is that they spent way more money on Oscar marketing this year than anybody else. Reported numbers uh, ranged as high as $50 million. Okay, remind me we're coming back to these points because I can counter that. Got you. And second, there's a whole they don't run their films in theaters unless we make them thing. The one is exacerbated by the fact the studio doesn't license its movies to theaters to run, instead renting them outright and keeping all the ticket sales for themselves. Duh, they're the one that's fronting the numbers to pay for the movie anyway, right? Among mm -hmm. other things, that means you don't have to report uh, box office returns, which good luck ever getting any um, straight number out of Netflix. Excuse me. So while you cough along, yeah, sorry. let me start with the idea of the amount of money behind a marketing campaign. Here it is, how ironic <clears throat> that that should come up in the anniversary of Harvey Weinstein breaking the bank to make Saving Private Ryan lose to Shakespeare in Love. He spent tons of money. He blackballed everybody. He screwed everybody over so that he could get his movie to win. How dare Hollywood get high and mighty right. about what they've already been doing? The fact that they allow any kind of advertising you put in things like the Hollywood Reporter or Variety that says for your consideration. Right. That alone, the moment you open that door, of course it's going to happen that somebody's going to spend more money than you. And also, wah, if, if that is what you've done, then wah, Steven Spielberg, I'm real sorry that they spent more money than the people that backed you. If you can right. tell me right. that you you never once allowed them to place a for your consideration ad, then great, I'll be behind you. But I know that's not true because I've seen for consideration with Steven Spielberg films. Therefore, you cannot complain. And here's the other thing that I think that's worth mentioning is it's not like um, 
Netflix who is making all this money and and their 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 money model or their their business model is different than than a studio right a studio has to generate that movie either through private investors or or executive producers and everything and then there's a big risk they go put that money out there and they put the movie out there and they spend all this advertising on it and they get these people to write fake re- uh, reviews of it which tell it's a great movie and then you get the public to go and then they start splitting that all up well Netflix has fallen into the subscription base so they had all this money and someone involved with netflix said hey let's make some films now here's the other thing that and we won't go too far in deep this because we got to do one other thing and then we'll get into the results but i just thought it worth mentioning it's not like netflix is taking all this money they have and creating movies like you know um bra or i'm trying to think of a a parody name for jaws you know uh cheeks He's a mean shark with a grudge on his shoulder. Rawr. You know, it, it, they're making real legitimate films like Roma. You know, it's not like they're ripping off, you know, um, Star Battles or Battlestar with the thing on the shelf. You know, it's they're creating original content where, and the last time I checked, Hollywood isn't coming up with anything new. We just had another... Um, Sherlock Holmes movie, uh, Lion King's getting its 18th installment of the original film. Uh, they're redoing Aladdin. I mean, I don't. I'm not seeing where their fresh content and everything's coming in. We did watch. Uh, Will you ever forgive me? Last night with Melissa McCarthy. Um, it was it was a movie. It was good, but uh, you know, I agree. I don't think it was her Oscar moment. But the point being, I'm not seeing a lot of original content coming out of Hollywood. And yeah, if Netflix has the money and they're hiring honest-to-goodness directors, right? And I went back and watched Gravity for you, mm-hmm. and I agree that movie's very well done. Much different take on it than than before I saw... Um, Roma? R- no, Rosebud. Before I saw... Oh, um, Citizen Kane. Yeah, it was before before Jeff saw Citizen Kane. Um and again, I don't want to. I don't want to muddle this up too much. But but basically, the point I'm trying to make is, they've made this money. They're using this money with legit producers, directors, actors. And so, what if they spend that money, like you said, and they reap all the benefits because they don't have to battle getting it into into the cinemas? It's already in people's homes. And from what I hear, it's a bit of a racket. And I think you told me. That even if even if we magically made a movie, that getting it into a theater is not a you know okay uh, you know excuse me sir we'd like to show our movie please I don't know why we're talking that way but you know and it's not that they're going to say just like yeah sure we'll throw it on at three there's a whole thing you have to go through right you 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 and I making a movie together have avenues that we can go about getting our film bought so that it can be distributed right. You think about what, how, how different the music business is now. You used to have indie bands, but you didn't have any bands that were on the level they are now, where you see indie bands coming into a city like Dallas and them selling out a thousand seat arena Indigo because girls. they've actually gotten their music out there. Yeah. They, there are ways for that occurred that I don't have to go through anybody. I can just start listing right. my stuff on, on YouTube, on Spotify, on these things. That is going to happen to the movie industry, right. whether Steven Spielberg likes it or not. It's already happening when you look at the consumption habits of someone like my child who watches so much stuff on YouTube. Somebody's going to be smart enough to go, oh, 
Now, I might not be able to make a two-hour movie work on YouTube, but what if I built something almost like an old serial, which was 10 minutes at a time, and it was high quality and people really watched it? That's going to happen. They are absolutely wrong. They're terrified of what's happening to their business. They're throwing fits about this when they come out and say that we can't look at the box office totals. Who gives a crap? You're talking about, you're you're supposed to be talking about the artistic merit. Yeah. Not about the box office returns, which is part of my problem with the Oscars anyway, is it is all about how do we feel good about ourselves? Green Book winning. Right. How do we make more money? Green Book winning. Yeah. It, it, it's just a ludicrous argument. And if he were here right now, I would start with I'm, I, I, I hate these kind of conversations when someone says, I absolutely probably worship. 99% of what you've done as a filmmaker, I think right. you're a moron outside of that. Well, I mean, I think that would be, if he was there, I think that would be a difficult statement to say straight to his face, but I I would love to be a fly on the wall and listen to you discuss it, because I'm sure as much as you disagree with his points, it would be interesting to at least hear from his perspective what it is. And then at the end of it, if you want to call him a moron, then yeah, fire that I, up. I love you, Stephen. You're, you're a goofball. There you go. Yeah, now sign all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, can I work for you? Exactly, please? exactly. You always want that voice. It's going to be, you know, not always going with you. I'm not a yes man. Yep. Um, all right. And before we get into the Oscars, we're going to do one last segment here. Um, this is pretty high production. We're going to call it. Hello. All right. Hello. So we're going to say a quick hello to some of our um, listeners. We, we've uh, really done a good job. Uh, we're, we're in it for a year now. We're, we're doing good as far as listenership. But again, anytime people ask about, um, you know, um, who's listening, where we're getting listeners from, um, you know, we are published directly off of SoundCloud. So I want to, you know, obviously Brandon, uh, Brandon's our Beaker's a big listener. Uh, Bill's big. We want to say thank you to John Hartman, Camille Johnson, Yuri Records. Um, Smart Drummer has been listening to us. Um, uh, Nordia Markets Insights. Well, they've been listening to a couple of podcasts. Uh, Open Lines Radio, JSY, Richard R, um, ZHR. I like how everything's uh, Kryptonic is listening to us. So, I mean, those are SoundCloud registered users that uh, have taken the time to listen to the podcast, and we really appreciate that. And it really continues to amaze me um, just, you know, our reach as far as internationally, um, as we still have a number, we still have the Netherlands that are, are listening big time, UK's listening, Mexico, Turkey, Sweden, Spain, Russian Federation, Portugal, Brazil, and every once in a while my browser does this thing where I can't scroll down, so let me try again, and it's it still won't let me do it, so I don't know what's, there we go. Um, what do we have? Brazil, Canada, Australia, Argentina, Ecuador, Italy, Colombia, Germany, Egypt, France, Morocco, Ireland, Japan, Ukraine, India, Jamaica, the country of Georgia, <clears throat> Greece, Belarus, Romania, Iraq, Chile. That's just to my just just a quick read there um, off some of the s- statistics and and just wanted to take a quick moment and once again. Uh, just tell them hello and we're glad that you listen we're glad that you're a kind listener and participating in the podcast and uh, we welcome any of your communications anything you want to send to us email us uh, tweet us um, or share with us on Instagram it would be great so uh, tip of the cap to you Todd as you've been uh, very heavily involved with a lot of this and I think it's great how we're kind of expanding that kind listener um, audience 
I just want whoever's listening in Greece. I live in Dallas, Texas. Could you send me some fresh Kalamata olives? I I love them. If you do that, I will make sure that you become the listener of the month. You better shape up, cause I need a man. Greece. Nope. Okay. Man. Um, <laughs> and we just we just lost all of our listeners from all of the countries. They just said nope. <laughs> and that's when I say no, thank you, sir. You know what we should do? What's that? We this would take a little pre-production work. We should have a musical episode where we actually sing what we talk about. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know if I can sing, but we can definitely. We should do a musical one because I know our friends over at uh, oh, good lord, the the Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka minute, the chocolate minute, the everlasting minute. Uh, I know they want to. I like how I I mentioned like probably six other possible podcasts before the actual one that we're uh, that we're talking about. Um, I know that we need to do that, and I think the summertime would be a good time to do that because su- summer kind of sings musicals sure. versus winter, which is like more like you know deep in the heart of Russia is a man. Um, I, I do wonder if yeah. so. What would you call it before Citizen Kane? So if if the if the years are BC, then yeah, Jeff's that's what it is. Movie knowledge is BCK. Yeah. Before um, Citizen Kane, kind of close to a serial Ooh, killer. BCK. Yeah, let's yeah let's distance. How about just CK? Anyway, um, I wonder yeah, if let's I can put do this. Louis in front of it. Just call it Louis CK. <laughs> <laughs> okay, distance. Strike two distance. <laughs> I do wonder if I can somehow convert you to liking musicals. There, you know, we'll have more musical talk because um, there are the ones that I liked. And I remember even when we were going through the AFI Top 100, mm-hmm. uh, we did list. Oh, by the way, I do want to address one thing before we get into deconstructing the Oscars. We are okay. So uh, earlier this week, I think Todd said something. I know my dad, it was Pop that sent me something. And I think I shared it and you commented on about Apple trying to crack down on people that use episode numbers in their titles. Uh-huh. And I don't know, I wrote back to you on Twitter, and I didn't see a response. We, the other kind radio, do not do that. If you look back through all of our titles, there is an episode 45 episode or whatever. So we're okay on that. But do, does Minute of the Apes do that? So Minute of the Apes, that, as soon as I saw it, you know, if you read the fine notes, uh, fine details in the notes, excuse me, it says we won't retroactively remove anything that has numbers. In it. Mm. However, we really don't want you doing that problem with minute of the apes is it's a minute at a time what <laughs> other way am i going to refer to right minute 114 yeah yeah of a thing because that's what people want to know where am i jumping yep. in what am yep. i listening to yep. it's that's the most asinine thing i i, don't I, know I really don't want to go on a diatribe of how yeah. much i despise apple and their stuff <laughs> like that but as soon as i saw it i thought here you guys are again forcing this crap on people why right. what is what are you going to gain from that well and it did make me nervous about our afi list is that what made me think oh. of it was because we were doing this week we're doing afi top 100 61 through 51 right you know so I mean, how else like you said how else do you write a description about that because people are going to go like not interested in the top 100 but i want to watch those other those other you know getting closer to the to the top 10 so right anyway hopefully that won't affect you and and i don't know why apple spun their their uh random concern wheel of of chance and it landed <laughs> landed on that but because uh, they can because <clears throat> they can because we're apple and we can all right folks it's it's the time you've been waiting for i'm kind of dreading this uh but uh let's go ahead and get into it let's uh 
Let's get out the saw. Let's get some power tools going here. And let's, uh, whoops. Um, I think that's a power tool. Let's, <laughs> let's deconstruct, deconstructs because construction sounds. Todd's looking confused. Probably like the majority of our kind listeners right now. Was that the Oompa Loompas <laughs> working on the construction? Because it was really these little. I, I, I don't know the height of the workers. I don't see height. Oh, to me, all people. <laughs> um, so that's, no, you just look right over me. That's four, <laughs> right? Um, that's just a quick uh, production, uh, you know, wimp out as far as just uh, deconstructing. So, uh, welcome to the 2019 uh, Jeff versus Todd uh, Oscar prediction show deconstruction. Um, before we get into the actual calls, and we'll kind of just we'll we'll flow through them. We don't have to break everything down, but I know there's a few of the categories that we want to kind of share some notes on. Um, but first, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts, Todd. Um, part one of the deconstructed, um, you know, when it gets cold outside, when it's 20 below, I don't know what happens with all of this area. And I'm pointing to my throat and face because I'm inside. It's not cold, but my voice is doing some weird thing. Maybe I'm going through, and I don't know. Um, Finally. Yes. So part one of the deconstruction is the... No host, genius, or genuine bad idea. What What were your thoughts? What did you think about that? And an instance born of desperation ends up being a moment of inspiration. Okay. I I think that they didn't know what to do when the Kevin Hart debacle happened, so they went with this. I think if anything, it kind of added new vitality to the the at least the presentation. It zipped along. People now they still need to tell some actors you're. You're great when a screenwriter writes for you. Please quit trying to be funny. You're not. There were moments of that, but I thought overall it was really good. I thought they zipped along pretty well. Um, I mean, they had yeah. <clears throat> the show opened with Tina Fey, mm-hmm. her friend um, Amy Poehler, and the other uh, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph, and so in a lot of ways, I, I want to give them kind of a uh, a check on the fact that they got that high talent. They, I don't know what they had to pay him, but I'm sure it wasn't as much to host the whole Oscars. So, you know, divvying up some of that ha- that high-dollar cash to just kind of have a little snippet was nice because yeah. in some instances seeing those people, just like when you see a Glenn Close or, or somebody legendary come out on stage and deliver uh, an award, it's just nice to see that person for that short bit. You don't want to sit down and have a four-course meal with them. You just want to say, oh, oh, look, you know. You're looking good. You sound good, and and okay, bye bye. You know, you're just ready to kind of have a a, a tea with them versus right. a steak dinner. Well, I, I thought again, it was a great solution to their problem. I think if you can't do what the Golden Globes did for some years, which was to get to Ricky Gervais, who is just yeah one of the most violently hilarious people I've ever met in my life. I'm not met, seen in my life then don't do it at all because no. he, he, the economy at which Ricky Gervais can cut somebody down and hand it off to somebody. Yeah. That's how these kind of things should be. Instead of these long soliloquies of talking about stuff and introducing, you know, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was really a nice production. I didn't feel like it. I, I ended up spending six nights to watch three hours worth of content. It was a good point. They did say, they did stay on time. Um, one question I have for you is, so when you have a personality like Ricky Gervais that comes out and hosts the awards and really blows the doors off the place, mm-hmm. 
Do you think that the Oscar, and I, I know he's, ne- has he done, he's never done the Oscars, he's just done the Grammys. Do you think the hesitancy... Golden Globes. Golden Globes, thank you. Um, do you think the hesitancy to have a Ricky Gervais on Oscars due to the fact that the Oscars would get a little, a little jelly about having that powerful of a persona on stage. And then it's no longer the Oscars. It's, hey, we're watching free stand-up comedy from Ricky Gervais. Remember when Ricky Gervais did that reward show? I don't know what the awards were, but he was funny. Do you think they're I, don't, fr- I don't think the Oscars would ever have anybody like Ricky Gervais because of that mean sense of humor. They, uh, they want to believe that we are this lovely community of artists. BS. That's yeah. all BS. But they wouldn't do that. They don't. They don't have the bravery to allow it to happen. Now, will they allow Billy Crystal to come up and throw a little zinger at somebody here and right. there? But it's always in good fun. Right. Ricky's are mean. <laughs> I mean, there are times like, oh my God, I can't believe he said it. But he says the truth, and I think the Hollywood Foreign Press is okay with that. The Oscars never would be. Right. Okay, that's fair. And and I think I think you're right. I think his his humor is a little too pointed, which I I agree with you. And I think well, that may be one of the problems with Hollywood is that. You know, you make movies for a living. Not saying they're easy. I'm not saying it's a walk in the park. I never wanted to 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 break down or discredit somebody's hard work. You see some actors that do some really really tough roles. But here's the thing: you're making movies for a living. And last time I checked, you're making really good living, like multiple house type good living. So why not have a night, a roast, and make a little fun of yourself? You know, because in the end, you're portraying characters on the screen, and just because somebody makes fun of Batman doesn't mean that they're saying Christian Bale's a bad actor. They're just bounded enough and pop culture and timely enough to make a joke about it. I think if the Oscars, I think if the Oscars could take an opportunity for the for Hollywood to a little laugh at itself a little bit more, I think it'd be good. But in the same breath, I'm going to contradict the previous statement I made, which is, I think Ricky would be, would dig a little too hard and a little too close. <laughs> and there would be some people that would be, uh, uh, a little upset. Okay. You're so- going to tell me that he wouldn't jump on if, if Spielberg had made the comment about Netflix, that he wouldn't somehow say, Oh, if your if your films were as yeah. relevant as what they're doing, you know, he would do yeah. something that completely knocked down the King and they couldn't have that. Yeah. The only difference between the original jaws and the new one on Netflix is the director knows what he's doing and the and the um the mechanical shark works yeah and we just can't do that okay all right well we won't do that all right so the last point before we um before we get into the reviewing the winners is let's i mean ratings were up uh like 6.87 or whatever it is that nielsen points are so they were up almost, I think, uh, I think, I don't know if it was 28% or something like that from the previous year. And my question for uh, Mr. Todd and his his plethora of Hollywood knowledge, and remember, you've been watching the Oscars a lot longer and a lot closer than I have. Um, how much of that do you think was it just being all that was on TV versus... A better selection of movies and we had a couple Marvel movies in there so I would consider, consider that a little more broader uh, audience that would be interested in it or how much of it was just you know numbers or another factor I'm not considering so I do think Black Panther being nominated for so many probably got a lot more of the passive film fan because they wanted to see their favorite movie win um, I do think what's up against it has a lot to do with it 
I don't think it's anything to do with the better films because I don't think that these films were, you know, sure, I do think Roma is a film that 20 years from now people will look at and go, that is how you make a masterful film with very little story. You just right. tell this live. I don't think the films are any better. Um, maybe you could make the argument about with things like Black Klansman, Black Panther, that the African-American audience might have watched a bit more because it felt more socially diverse. Right. But it don't, I, I, I don't see that. I think it, it just has to do with a popular film being there. It has to do with the convenience of that's what's on. I, I, I wish and, I could, I, you know, there, I could be persuaded otherwise. I just don't see, in my opinion, anything there that leans the other way. Right. And, when, and whether they wanted to or not, they did a pretty good job of keeping themselves relevant and in the headlines with the whole Kevin Hart thing. True. And then the whole we're not going to show all the awards, which either, you know, was by accident or it was something with a bigger brain than than us two put together said, hey, let's cause some controversy. Let's get people on. Um, I did. Again, going back to kind of our, our first part of the deconstruction is I do think the show flowed better. And mm-hmm. I I think one of the problems they've had in the past is you have to keep going back to that one character and a new bit or whatever, when really all they needed to do was just keep the show going, which I thought they did a good job. Yeah. All right, so nothing else to add on the uh, on uh, the single host or the ratings. Um, if you don't, then we'll move into... Move right along. We'll move right along. We'll move into... Okay, so we're going to go through them in the category that um, they were mentioned. Um, so I have that on our run sheet there. So they started out with actress, uh, in a supporting role. Now, has it always been that way or was this something they did? Cause that's kind of a, that's kind of, you know, that's one of the top, top 10 category, you know, or top 10 awards to receive. Have they always le- led with actress? I, I can't for absolute fact say that it's always with actress but i believe it's either actor or actress supporting and it's so that we can get a big award right away right before we make everybody go into <laughs> i'm sorry what's the difference between sound editing and sound right design you know? yeah but yeah it's always that uh, there's always something like that up front right so obviously the winner was um actress in a supporting role was regina king you called it if bill street could talk i thought she was very very well uh um, uh, I thought she did a great job receiving the award. She was very professional in her speech. Uh, I obviously was trying to go with Roma, and that didn't win. So that that puts you off to a pretty pretty uh, you know quick lead. Uh, anything to add to that? No, except that once again, I'm still so vastly disappointed in Hollywood that I still cannot see that movie on pay per view. Yeah, right. So Hollywood, please get it out there. That's one of the movies I really want to see. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll end up talking about it a couple of years after it's not relative anymore. Right. From, from there, we went to documentary feature, um, and I, I didn't even ask you. You have the list in front of you, so why don't you run through the list so it's not just me yapping, and then I'll tell you uh, what the result was real quick because I have that sheet up in front of me. Well, what the funny thing is, Jeff, is my browser just crashed, mm. so I don't have them all. Hang on, give me two okay. seconds. I'm getting it back up. So while he's getting that back up, we'll go ahead and go into documentary feature, which, um, of course, I can't find it now because it's uh, there. We go documentary feature that had uh, that winner was Free Solo, um, which I thought was you know you know R R B G was huge because you know she's obviously now on the supreme court and has done so many great things 
But I think the only reason why Free Solo, which covers a guy that climbs, um, I think it's Yosemite or somewhere, um, free with no ropes or anything, that's kind of a, you know, that's like you mess up once and you're going to die. So uh, the Oscar went to Free Solo, and I did make note on that one, one of my four, my short notes, was they all got up there and were crying and excited, but they didn't let the actual guy that climbed it say anything his girlfriend was up there he was there she was thanked the director talked but they never like turned it over to the dude and you know gave him a chance to say anything so i thought that was kind of interesting i i think that happens so often in these instances where it's about this person but truly it's the filmmaker's moment (laughs) and we have to remember that but yeah it's you still think you you pull that person right up there with you and you look at them and say something very sweet and meaningful about letting us Thank you for letting us be a part or document this part of your life. Anything that I that just seems to happen. I, I think that that's that is such a weird microcosm of, of how the world of entertainment focuses in for this weird little minute, and you can't think of anything else but oh my god, oh my god, I just won an Oscar. So yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe why it didn't happen. Um, so that uh, was one that we both picked. So you uh, were up two uh, one to me at that time. Where are we headed to next? Makeup and hairstyling is what you have next on yep, the list? Yep, makeup and hairstyling. So you had Border, Mary Queen of Scots, and Vice. I had selected Mary Queen. You had Vice and knocked it out of the park with that one. Um, I thought maybe we talked about it, that they would go with the, the uh, Victorian age. And I guess they didn't. Any thoughts on, on that that necessarily? I know we're kind of getting into some necessarily not the meatiest of awards here. Well, it, it, the exact reason that I said I thought it would win was that christian bell as soon as that wins it says to me christian bell will not win we're trying to give a nod to his performance what was done to transform him and it's also to me a little bit of them going we didn't think it was that good you were transformed i I always look at that and think isn't that what you're implying by giving this award here (laughs) instead of the actor you're saying that you didn't do that much they just put a lot of stuff on you and you got fat right right um from there we go to we have costume design, which I actually have my browser back up. So I'll say that was with the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, The Favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, and Mary Queen of Scots. So once again, I, I went Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I had I had a, 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 a twinge of hope that that would hit, and it didn't. So you had picked Black Panther correctly and uh, rocked that. I, I do agree with that. I didn't see any real big controversy there. No, and... I, it was funny because I didn't have the list in front of me while we watched. And I thought, boy, I hope that's what I picked because the more <laughs> I think about it, they really did. I mean, the, the production design of that is just astonishing. Right. So I, I, that's a pretty well – I'm sorry, the costume, not production. I'm looking at the next category. Right. It's yep. why I said production. The costume design of <laughs> this is pretty stellar. All right. And and with that, we'll segue right into pr- production design. So and isn't that – weird how the brain does that you know where you are but because the word is in front of you you say the other (laughs) word instead so production design the nominations were black panther the favorite first man mary poppins returns and roma yeah i i do have to say this i don't know if i said this before while i think that the production design of roma was had some wow moments you know Mm -hmm. when it did the constantly using the dog crap and the way that Mm -hmm. hallway you look with that Mm -hmm. i just don't know if i put it on the same level as some of these others so yeah Anyway, go ahead with what won, Jeff. Uh, favorite, favorite won. Uh, we, or excuse me, we both wanted the favorite to win. It didn't, like, Panther won, which when I saw that happen, I was like, okay, you know, like, are these nods to Black Panther because they're not going to win anything else, or is this a trend we're getting ready to see? 
Um, but again, I couldn't disagree with it too much. And I know that there were a lot of people really excited that this won. Um, again, I think you and I picked the favorite just because we were thinking that old school Hollywood can, you know, can't, uh, can't turn away from something in that, uh, Victorian age. So right. they proved us wrong. Well, no, I think you actually hit the nail on the head that with when you see a film like Black Panther win these awards, they're acknowledging that this is very well made, that's yeah. very well thought out. But to me, the minute I start seeing that, there there are the rarities that will sweep the Academy Awards and win all these technical awards. But when you start looking at that, that almost says to me there's no chance in hell they're going to win. Right. Um, so right. I, I hate to be that way. But we're on to cinematography, right? Yep. Cinematography. Go ahead. So so our nominees, our nominees were Cold War, The Favorite, Never Look Away, A Star is Born, and Roma. Mm-hmm. And what did we both select here? I think we selected the same thing. We did. We both picked Roma, and uh, I, that was probably the loudest cheer that resonated through the house uh, through the beginning of the evening. Uh, I was glad to see that he was recognized for it. I, I agree with this, and I think um, in a situation like this, when you're looking at the Oscars, this is what it's all about. And it's not just because you and I got a stupid point, but that movie needed to be recognized uh, for, for what it brought to the table art, from, from both a technical and artistry sense. Without question. And this is the first time I believe that a director has ever won for shooting their own film. And Coron did a masterful job in that. And I, I, it couldn't be more deserved. Also very masterful was his acceptance acceptance speeches. Um, he did a very good job, was very considerate, and I thought well spoken when he was up there. And and I you know I don't know why if it's this year and the climate that we're in or what it is uh, specifically, but I think being able to be gracious and polite and uh, show a little class and character while you're up there on that stage is 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 more important than I think it has been in a while. So I was glad to see that he represented well. Very well said, John. Uh, cinematography. We're going on to sound editing, and I just took your line. So tell us, tell us who the nominees are. Well, and and then here is the category that I think both Jeff and I went. What? Yeah, I was not surprised, but what? Okay, so the nominees were Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, A Quiet Place, and Roma. Yeah. So you, what did we pick, Jeff? You had selected Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think this was another one. If we could play the audio back. You were saying, I really want First Man to win, but I think Bohemian Rhapsody is going to win. And you were right. Bohemian Rhapsody won for sound editing. I had The Quiet Place because I really thought that deserved a nod. And uh, so that launches you into a 6-2 lead. Um, things are not going well in um, uh, Camp Jeff. Uh, I think at this point I had tweeted something about Googling excuses. Um, and you really, you know, you're really knock it out of the park. But I agree. This, I think, was a sign of uh something awry something amiss something kind of out of place um did they listen to the movie um not in agreement with this so to this day i still look at that movie and the thing that everybody loves is the very end of it the live aid presentation where they recreate it mm -hmm. i think it's powerful but doesn't it just become a lip sync moment of yeah all that and and the mixing of it sure it had live live ambiance to it it had live sound uh with with the crowd in the background but you cannot and you never will persuade me that what they they attempted on artistic merit was any better 
than what was given to first man where they made you feel like you were yes. in a space capsule that the sound alone made you go oh crap this is going to fall apart and we're going to die yes the sound gave you that information or i think your choice of a quiet place to me is my very close number two because when i saw that i thought this is gorgeous how they completely it wasn't just silent yeah. it was eerily quiet mm -hmm. and to do that you are inhabiting a world with your sound information that informs the world. Right. I, Bohemian Rhapsody, it, no, they're wrong. I, I don't understand it, and I. I ugh, anyway, and we might as well just go right into sound mixing, which basically had the same um, nominations, except uh, sound mixing included Roma and A Star Is Born. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no place for a quiet place in that, and our picks. Um, your pick again was the same with Bohemian, and I went with First Man, and of course Bohemian wins again. And I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of stealing a, a little bit of your announcing there, but but really it's mainly because you gave me the idea that this is a bit of a sandwich, where you know editing and mixing. I mean editing, as as I understand it, enhances the experience of the film, which I thought it did in Quiet Place, and then mixing, you know. Again, it's but I, I I don't know is is Bohemian Rhapsody just riding on the wings of of you know of of the song? I mean, is that what it is? I, I I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't get it. I don't understand what we did here. Um, I wish I could look at this and say I entirely understand what the Academy was going for. Right. They the preoccupation with it being so well edited and mixed even pervaded to a kid that I see at my local Kroger's who knows I like movies and likes to talk to me. He said, <coughs> excuse me, I swallowed wrong. He came up to me one day and said, I believe that Bohemian Rhapsody is the best sound mixing that's ever occurred. And I thought, stop, please. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're writing a crest of adoration for Freddie Mercury, which we all appreciate, which is great. but yeah. that's not the same. And you I, think sound mixing, you, th you think sound mixing, you think sound editing, you think saving private Ryan. That to yes. me is mixing and editing because you have obviously your mixing is your layers. So it's mm -hmm. not just, you know, uh, rumbling of some tin and someone going pew, pew, pew. I mean, it is the, the realistic uh, mixing and editing of, of making you feel that you're on that beach. And with every right. mortar that hits, it's shattering and, you, and you're reacting. Yes. Okay. Not to go on a tangent. But, but I if agree. I can just interject too, oh, I, sure, think yeah. that, I think a quiet place is almost shame to a point that it's not in both categories because i think that it's <laughs> edits and it's mix are right just they're such an integral part of that film right and the the majority of bohemian rhapsody the majority of it is spoken word now there's right. a lot of music in it but the majority is spoken word yeah you're to me the artistry that goes into this of what was created in first man in quiet place is on a different level right and i, I don't understand it all so we have those two. I know um, other members in the household were screaming and yelling because they, you know, kind of randomly picked and just noticed Bohemian Rhapsody, and that was a movie they had seen, so that was kind of the popularity there. So they're happy. I'm welcome to getting off of sound editing and sound mixing and going to foreign language film, which was probably if there was one film that I was most confident about um, being picked right was this one. Walk us through it. So our nominees were... Capitanom, Cold War, Never Look Away, Shoplifters, and Roma. And the winner was Roma. So uh, 
the cheers got quieted in the house. <laughs> so were you the only fan of that film in the house? I was one of the few people that had seen it. Um, but, you know, Sweet Catherine was, was, was with me as far as yes. You know, but it was interesting. And I, I do have to take a quick moment and thank you because of the show that we did prior to this. I knew a little bit about the categories. So it was always like, you know, um, they didn't know any of the movies, but then they wanted to know, well, what is it? You know, what is mm -hmm. sound mixing? What is sound? And foreign language film is pretty easy. But uh, thank you to your ever um, expanding uh, help with my knowledge of film. I was able to actually sound halfway smart <clears throat> during the course of this. So we get for foreign language film. Roma wins. What's your reaction? I uh, thrilled. I yeah. but I also knew yes down deep in my soul that there was no chance anything else was going to win because I now I knew down deep in my soul that it probably wasn't going to win Best Picture. Right. And I thought, well, they'll at least award him anything that this man gets. I immediately applaud. I right. I he's going to end up on that level for me, much like Spielberg earlier when I said even his stuff that is subpar still has something that you can look at and go, wow. Right. Right. So we, we go to the low of the sound uh, editing, to the high of Roma, to the w, the biggest WTF moment for me in the evening, which takes us to film editing. Walk us through that. All right. Film editing's nominees were Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, and Vice. So, you know, looking at these, just like we discussed, I mean... I would have put Bohemian Rhapsody in with the least amount of chance of winning. Black Klansman, great movie, good at you know, greatly edited and done well. I thought it would be a real shining moment. Uh, the favorite, yeah, Green Book, yeah, Vice, maybe, but I'm like, there's no way Bohemian's gonna win. And what happens? Bohemian wins for sound editing, which, folks, if you go back and listen to the review, sorry, thank you. <laughs> See how it's in front of you, and you say no. Um, <laughs> film editing. If you go back and listen to our breakdown and review of that movie, one of the things we spent the most time on was some scenes that just went on entirely way too long. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, so that was, and of course, The House Erupt, because that was the movie everybody else picked. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was I was shocked. I was, to me, the probably the lowest point of the whole evening. I, I was shocked, too. And, it, and I'm going to think, did I pick Vice? No, you picked, I'm sorry, you picked Black Klansman along with me. Okay. Yep. The only reason I wondered about that is that I'd heard so much stuff, and, and Vice was another film that I just could not find a way to get to see. Um, I had read where a lot of people were talking about the beautiful editing in Vice and how it was really one of the standout elements of it. And, and I thought Black Klansman, which Spike's films are always beautifully constructed. Mm -hmm. And I thought especially some of the stuff cross-cutting across to you know where we've got one african-american man pretending to be somebody somebody uh, a, a jewish man pr pretending to be that person once instance looking at somebody they're talking to on the phone and then all the cross-cutting and the different yes. techniques that are used i yes. thought it was just gorgeously done for bohemian rhapsody to come along and win it makes me wonder if this is the academy award system being broken we i mm -hmm. think i talked about this a little bit mm -hmm. I mean, I think this applies for film editing as it does for Best Picture, but they do a tiered system where you vote for what you want to win, what you think is second, what you think is third, and those films begin kind of canceling each other out. That's a screwed up system. Mm -hmm. Either you vote for it and it wins outright and you have a tie, 
or you don't vote at all because all of a sudden now you're elevating films that not didn't have a clear consensus Mm -mm. and that's all i can think is what happened here because you cannot persuade me that 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 the editors of this group said wow that's the best i saw can't persuade me yeah i concur I concur, and I, I, I do. I think the, the word "broken" is is a very good uh, word to use there. Um, so I'm I'm recovering from that. And where are we headed next? I believe it's actor in a supporting role. Right. So we've got uh, Ali with Green Book. We've got Driver with uh, Black Klansman. We've got Sam Elliott with uh, Stars Born. Grant with Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Rockwell with Vice. Um, we both selected uh, a Stars Born. Sam Elliott. And the winner was Mashallah Ali. Yeah. So I um, this didn't get much of a reaction from me. I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, you know, I thought I knew. I think we both said the Sam Elliott was was a was a long shot. Um, but uh, you know, didn't have any real reaction to this. I thought his speech again was very well said, very well articulated. And, uh, you know, to me, and this is, and again, folks, this is the other kind of radio. We're, we're both just kind of uh, just a couple of guys talking movies. But to me, I would rather have someone win that I wasn't rooting for who gives a good acceptance speech. And I know that really doesn't matter in the long scheme of things, but I thought he was, he was very gracious and did a good job. Hey, I, he is definitely a gracious person. He's well-spoken. He's a great actor, and you know I can't say that he wasn't good in a film that I didn't like, but I don't don't look at it and think that it was a standout performance. And I think he's given standout performances yeah. and things I've seen him in. Um, I don't know, Jeff. It, <laughs> I, I I hate to bore you and the kind listener with yeah my dislike of award shows like this, but I I watch this time and again, and I think this is such a silly system. Yeah. Yeah, where we're going to instead of just saying these five people were really good, now let's present who the five people were. I think something like this was generally generated either you know by both the academy, but in the beginning, you know, wanting I think in its purest form just to recognize really good work, and I think it's over the years kind of morphed and and grown some some tentacles and whatnot, and and kind of become what it is. I think on I think on a ground level. I think it's it's a very nice thing to do, but I I also agree that you know um, without proper maintenance and maybe some 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 self study, it's kind of morphed into something you know that isn't necessarily the uh, the fairest. And I agree with you there. In fact, in in, in the interest of time, animated short span, uh, short film, documentary, short subject, visual uh, I guess visual effects will be good to go. We can go on down to visual effects. Um, so who was who was nominated there i'm searching it out we have avengers affinity war christopher robin first man ready player one and solo a star wars story and so uh you had christopher robin selected i had first man and this was where i started to kind of pull things back together you would have had a pretty big lead by now with the winner of first man being selected i think you were doing me a favor by picking christopher robin um, but I was glad to see they did get recognized. I was too. I, well, I did pick Chris, Christopher Robin because, I, as I said in the show, I was reading so much stuff in all the trades about how people were just completely wowed with the, uh, the tape that was sent out to voters to say, "Here's the work." You know, what they do is it's like a little ten, fifteen minute here, 
here were the original what they call plates right here's the stuff they added in and apparently the christopher robin thing was just spectacular and so i was hearing that i thought well maybe they're persuaded by that but first man if i'm voting for this that would yeah i've already spoken of my love of that film and i i definitely agreed with that i i I was very happy when it won good um live action we can we can roll past that let's go to original screenplay um that was another one that was kind of interesting for me as well yeah um yeah that's all i'm gonna say is yeah (laughs) so the the nominees were the favorite first reformed green book roma and vice so your winner um was green book which i had selected you had selected vice um this was kind of the like you know like watching a sporting event and be the fourth quarter and you're running out of time and you need more you know more points once green book started picking some of these up i could see i could see some of the writing on the wall if you will yeah and and as i said i i no longer will go along with and i, and I don't say this to make it like ooh, i know so much oh, no, but no, i yeah. will not go along with what my sentiment is of i think that's going to win because here's the science of picking these things yeah. i was not surprised to see green book win right and 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 i agree going forward we'll you know this again will morph and change a little bit but um um yeah i mean you just it's one of those things for you it's kind of like shooting shooting ducks in a barrel if you will um or fish in a barrel i don't know why you would have ducks in a barrel um that's kind of mean were you <laughs> were you actually i mean you know so much about this that you really you know you really like it's almost like you're like no i know i know who you know and you try and make it fun and fair but it, it's 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 shockingly amazing and going back and reviewing the notes how pretty much everyone that won was something you made a comment about pretty much saying, you know, well, I think this one is going to win. I'm going to go this way, but I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it wasn't, I didn't really keep track of that um, this year. Maybe we'll do it in the future, but you've been all over it. Let's go to animated, uh, excuse me, adapted screenplay, animated, adapted screenplay. (laughs) So the the nominees were Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman. Oh, hang on. My browser decided to crap on me again. There he is. Can you forgive me? If Bill Street could talk and a star is born, right? So you select I, I selected out of out of uh, Revere for my father the Ballad of Buster Scruggs only because I thought it had so many different stories in it that to adapt not just one story but a series of stories would be worth mentioning. I was wrong. You selected Black Klansman, and I think this brings us to one of the interesting moments of the evening, and that was the acceptance speech by Mr. Spike Lee. Okay. I love Spike. Yeah. Hey, there was some sentiment, but I'm not going to mention who, but there was somebody that came along and kind of knocked him mm-hmm. for the, not only things he said, but the way he said it. Spike, if you're going to write a speech, brother, I mean, you are so smart. Yeah. Such a great writer. Read your speech before you get up there because it literally looked like a third girl. Um, yes. So today I'm going to report yes. on the the American Civil, Civil War. You know, it yes. was horrible. It was pretty bad. And to open and, and open it up with a bunch of explicit, you know, some bad words, and having to, you know, having to have to, you know, cut, drop, or cut the sound out on that area. Right. I thought because, of course, the members that were watching were going, "What happened?" <laughs> so, oh, he's saying a bunch of bad words right now. <laughs> and and here here comes Spike, and and what I Spike Spike really started hitting the scene right when I right around the time before right. I'm, I'm trying to think right before I went to film school is when mm-hmm. he hit. And so he was really one of those people I was watching to try and learn when I was studying. So I, I have a complete deep love of Spike Lee's films. Right. So I wanted to be thrilled when yes. he won. Yes. 
I think you texted me or you tweeted to me, Spike. And I, I too, was like, yes, as he was walking up on stage dressed as Prince's grandfather. I think a few people <laughs> a few people mentioned online he did have a purple suit and everything on there, which is great. Spike's never been a, a, a fear of fashion. But go, yes. So, so adulation walk- at the first moment. It's like, yeah, all yeah. right. He wins. And then I hear the guy voice over that Spike Lee, this is his first win. Yeah. Now, I knew that. But it just put it in my mind again that, okay, you're telling me the man that did do the right thing, Malcolm X, and any number of films. And there are other films of his that are lesser seen that are smaller. Has never won anything. Yeah. And I start thinking, okay, this is what, and Hollywood does this. They did it to Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. where the New York filmmakers, they don't like to reward them because they feel that that's not the Hollywood system, which right. there is my gripe with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that already gets me to the point where I'm kind of like, well, hang on, I'm not as happy as I thought I was going to be. And then Spike started talking, and I went, oh, mm-hmm. now not only am I not happy, but somebody I absolutely love sounds stupid. Yeah. And I hate that for him. I'm prepared. Definitely unprepared. Um, I mean, if you get lost in that moment, I get it. Sally Fields is one of the most memorable ones. You really like me. I mean, she that's true from the heart. And I think, I think that people are, are very forgiving in that moment. And I and I, if you if you come out and your first thing you do is a bunch of f bombs or s bombs or whatever it was he said, mm-hmm. first of all you're going to get everybody's attention, so they're going to listen. So, for me, I, I think it was a huge missed opportunity. Now at the same time, Spike Lee, Spike Lee, he can do whatever he wants. We're we're yeah. not you know we we can only comment on how we feel about it. He's a grown man; he can do whatever he wants. I'm just saying, if I could have if I was one of Spike's closest friends, and he may tell me to go f myself. But say, hey, man, this is your opportunity to really have that mic and right. to say something. And and just as you're so articulate in your film and the way you, you make um, your craft, here's an opportunity to, to spend a little time. And maybe he wrote it down. Who knows? And, and he might have been. I mean, the thing is, a lot of people that make movies and stuff aren't very, you know, extroverted people. Sometimes they're very shy. Maybe being up on stage was a lot for him. But in the same breath. Be prepared, and you have a chance to really say something and just, you know, metaphorically drop the mic. Say a few words, drop the mic, walk off stage. And there you create the drama, the interest in what your message is. But dropping F-bombs and then stuttering over your speech, which you obviously weren't prepared to read, and then to have music play you off stage is just, then it's just a missed opportunity. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I it's so unfair of me and, and it matters so little that I say this about Spike, but hell, my job while I'm here is to be critical of what I see. Right. And, and go ahead. No, I was just going to say go no finish. I'm sorry. No, I I I literally thought therefore that's why I'm going to step up and go, "Hey, one of my heroes, I wish you had taken a moment yeah. to pursue a little bit smoother approach however i think that you really hit the nail on the head i have a feeling that somebody like spike lee even though he is so gregarious and in, in the persona we've seen whether it's in the nike commercials mm-hmm. or the interviews that he gives he might be a little bit introverted mm-hmm. he might be one of those people that is giving that persona because he doesn't just fly out and and yeah. become that person that can stand on a stage and do this right all that being said congratulations spike glad you got your first oscar hopefully you'll get another and you know if you need 
some guys to help you write a speech. Just uh, info at theotherkindradio.com will help you write your speech. Hey, in which, I like that. In which we'll just, all we'll do is we'll talk about ourselves. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, then we've got original score. Uh, if you don't have anything to add to that, we don't want no. to have to go over it. But let's go on to the next big moment of the evening where everybody was, was just gawking and gawking. That's original song, which featured... A number of qualified uh, nominations, which I'll let you go through. So the nominations were all the stars from Black Panther, A Fight from RBG, The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns, When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and Shallow from A Star is Born. Uh, You selected Shallow. I, again, was giving a tip of the cap to my father and suspected Buster Scruggs, but we both thought Shallow would win. And as they played through the songs, so, you know, during the Oscars, they bring each song out. And that was another huge discussion with the audience watching. <laughs> Why are they doing that? Why do they do, do they, does that mean they won? Why do they do that? I said, well, they play a little bit from the song, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, um, <clears throat> I knew how this category was going to end or the result of it when they ended up performing on stage together. Um couple things I noticed. Bradley Cooper did not look very comfortable. <laughs> no. And he was sharp when he started. Yes, he was. And I just could imagine him going, imagine him thinking, how the did I end up here? <laughs> I'm an actor. I'm a director. You know, movies, and I was explaining this to the audience at home, uh, movies, they can mess up a thousand times and then either fix it in editing or get it right with somebody in your ear saying this is what you need to do he's performing live and he did not look happy no and you know i did hear i did i did think his performance within a very quick amount of time yes settled down yes and i get that nervousness of somebody who's put myself in front of Mm -hmm. people to sing before Mm mm-hmm that's a very nerve-wracking experience. Mm-hmm. When you're on that stage with all these people that can perform, all these millions of people watching, I can't even imagine how stressful that becomes. So right. it actually kind of made me like Bradley Cooper a little bit more because oh, I sure. thought, ooh, there's frailty that, yeah. that he's willing to expose. Yeah. Um, a lot of people lost their minds over this performance mm-hmm. with people saying things like uh, David Spade's line of, is there any doubt that these two are boinking yeah um someone someone tweeted that that they were eye banging each other (laughs) but you know immediately when it was going on i think my wife even asked she was watching the other room she's like don't you think these two are a couple i said no Mm -mm. i actually think that this is proof that they're great performers Mm -hmm. because i i go back to the day and i have absolute adoration for this when i would see people like um conway twitty singing with loretta lynn Mm -hmm. and i these two people who were married to other people i was persuaded that because the way they looked at each other when they were singing that duet that they were in love Mm -hmm. and i think that's exactly what they did with this performance Mm -hmm. i think that that performance pointed out 100 percent that if there is one song that stood out far and above the rest it was that song yeah if you can slip into that man that's that's a magic moment of course my father came back and said um well, I don't really think it was that good of a song. It's like, oh, really? Why is that? Well, I don't know. It just didn't strike me as very good. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to have this mm-hmm. battle. Uh, my wife even reduced it to the song that all it says is sha-la-la-la-la-la-la. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, it's a little bit more than that, honey. A little bit. Yeah. 
Uh, I also, one last thing I want to say about this is I just, I would be willing to bet that as Bradley Cooper finished that final note and, you know, was smiling and, and getting the adoration and leaving and walking off stage, in his mind, he was going, thank effing God, this is the last time I have to sing this song. I'm done. I'm done performing. <laughs> I want to get back behind the camera. I want to make films. I am not a singer. Um, I really hoped he was going to emulate the moment that he had in the film where he pissed his pants. Yes. That At that point, that would have been the greatest Academy Award moment ever. You talk about commitment, bladder control. There's a lot of things that go into it. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to Lady Gaga and uh, Bradley Cooper for original song. I thought... I thought they did good, and, and yeah, like, like I said, after I saw them perform, I'm like, there's no, there's no way they're not going to win this one. So, right. all right, we're down to the big four. Let's go through these actors in a leading role. Go ahead. Actor in a leading role, we have Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, and Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. So on this one, I, I held out some hope from William Dafoe. Um, I think that movie's uh, uh, not getting the attention, but again, it's it's about Van Gogh. It's not a, uh, it's <laughs> if there's anything that's about that film, it's not a, the word go at all. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely something you gotta pay attention to. Uh, but you, again, in your, in your infinite wisdom, uh, picked Raimi, and I thought, um, when his name was announced, uh, you know, I, good for him. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I, I said this all along when my child fell in love with that film, as so many pe uh, young people her age have, and discovering Queen, I said to her, I said, you know, there really is a lot to be said about a performance that stands out in a bad movie. Yeah. Which yes, she took yes, yes. She took great exception to. She's like, it's not bad. I'm like, okay, you know, I get it. Right. I do think, honey, let's talk about this. When I'm in my 60s and you're in your late 20s, early 30s, let's talk about that. And you tell me you don't watch it now and go, oh, yeah, well, it's kind of missing some things here. Yeah. But he is phenomenally good. And I've said it all along. I hate for him that that performance gets lost in this marginal film. If it had been, I don't know if you've seen, Jeff, the trailers for the new Elton John biopic that's coming out. No, I haven't yet. It literally is what I wish that that what had been done for Freddie Mercury. It takes right. it and it's giving this almost musical approach where it's like music consumed his life to the point where he's walking down the street. There were production numbers around him. And I thought, I'm not saying that's what you have to do with Freddie Mercury. But here he was, that was someone that was so extravagant. Yeah. The, the, the film feels so baseline and loses the extravagance of his life. I just I it, it's not a good movie. Right. But I do think he was very deserving. Very deserving, I thought, you know, yes, because just because the, the script isn't written or edited or the sound isn't whatever or whatever it's thought of, he did show up and he did perform and he did a great job. The other thing that you just reminded me that I have a major problem with this film is a lot of it's not true. They never broke up. They never had to talk him back into the or talk the other members coming back into the band. So not only is this movie not accurate, it's you know it's 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 just feeding on itself it's a little a little selfish when it comes to that but anyway i still have to give him a nice ding because i thought um his speech was well so again go going back to what i was saying earlier so he wins 
I, you know, I'm kind of muttering underneath my breath as everybody around the living room is screaming and yelling and happy because they picked it. And they're like, what did you pick again? <laughs> and I'm like, um, I picked the great William Defoe at Eternity's Gate. And they're like, what's that about? That sounds boring. I'm like, well, that's not the point. <laughs> um, but um, when he got up and gave his speech and mentioned, I think, his father, um, obviously, you know, uh, won the crowd over and, and myself included with that. I thought it was uh, he handled himself very well. You know, I, um, I actually, as you were talking, I began to think that Rami Malek winning this way may end up being, ironically, one of my favorite Academy Award wins ever because I do complain about that you can have elements of absolute artistry in projects that don't entirely work. Yeah. And, and therefore, they truly are looking and saying, okay, his performance where mm -hmm. he is supposed to completely make us believe that he is someone else mm -hmm. was so masterful that it was even better than a marginal movie. So I, I, I'm pretty pretty happy to see him win for this uh, performance. Well said. Well said. Let's go on to actress in a leading role. So our nominees here would be Yelitsa Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Close for The Wife, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Lady Gaga <laughs> I can't do it any other way now that you've put it in my head. A Star is Born and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? So we both thought, and I think we were both going out on a limb more with heart than, than head, um, th with uh, Yolita as far as her performance in Rosa. She, of course, didn't win, and it was given to Olivia Coleman, who, again, was a little bit of a surprise for me uh, based on just kind of what that movie had done before. And having seen that movie, yeah, she plays a crazy queen that, you know, is emotionally kind of out there and, and you know, a little mantic. Um, so, again, I didn't see anything that really was, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, again, I always feel so bad. She did a great job with rolling everything. I, I didn't see it as an Oscar performance, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, when you look at some of the other... Uh, especially what had to happen with Roma. I mean, boom, that's amazing. And then even seeing, uh, can you ever forgive me with Melissa Carthy? She she kind of plays an angry uh, author uh, that gets into a little bit of trouble. Um, again, I'm looking for something that, a performance that makes you go, wow, you know, that really tied it together. Uh, congratulations to Olivia and her Oscar. And uh, before I finish yapping, she her uh, uh, acceptance speech was pretty good too. Very heartfelt, very honest, very humble. I was shocked to see her win, but then when I know the reverence that's held for her within that community, I'm yeah. not entirely shocked. I do. I did immediately walk out of my uh, media room and go to my wife and said that may be one of my favorite Oscar acceptance speeches mm. ever because there was so little pretense. It was mm -hmm. simply mm -hmm. truthful, and she touched on something where I'm I'm shocked this award did not go and that was to Glenn Close. I'm really yeah. shocked because this woman who has been marvelous through her entire history has never won. And I even, and, I was wrong in the podcast last week when I said that she had won a bunch of Oscars. So And yeah. when you said that, that yeah. it's funny you say that because it stuck with me all day and I was like, I'm pretty sure he's wrong. I'm pretty sure she's never won. <laughs> but you know, even Olivia Coleman gets up with absolute reverence for yeah. for Glenn yeah. Close. This makes me think again that this has to be this tiered voting system. Yeah that somehow elevated i'm not saying olivia coleman is not a deserving actress i think she's a very good actress i've seen her in a number of things so i think she's fabulous i just wonder if some of that vote splitting didn't occur right. but the overall 
I am so relieved that Lady Gaga did not yes, win. Yes, the the whole theater would have uh, the, the ego would have uh, affected the the structural foundation of that building if she won for best actress. Yes, um, and I would have I would have thrown my collective hat in uh, as far as the way that works. Okay, down to the big two. Um, directing, who we got there? I'm sorry, I was looking up a little side note there. Sorry to make you wait. We've got Black Klansman, Spike Lee. Cold Word Parrot Palotsky, the favorite Yorgos Lantemos, Roma for Alfonso Cron, and Vice Adam McKay. Thank God there was actually somebody with just a name that I could pronounce. Exactly. Um, so you and I both went with Roma. No, we didn't. You went with Black Klansman. I went with Vice. And I, mm. I'll have to jump back in the AB time machine and figure out what Jeff was thinking. Um, both good picks, I thought. Um, and the winner was Roma, which again was, even though I was wrong, I was glad to see, uh, that that film got recognized for the directing because cinematography directing, I mean, it's, it's a good film. I, I wanted, I did, I really wanted Alfonso Cuaron to win. However, I know what I did was that again, loving Spike Lee, I think it is absolutely ridiculous that he's never won. What I was looking at was a little bit of history, mm -hmm. um, cause he even made mention in an award we're about to get to that every time he loses somebody's driving somebody and that's a reference to i think this is the 19 i'm looking the 60 the 62nd academy awards 1990 when he was up for do the right thing mm -hmm. this man was not even nominated mm -hmm. for director yeah. in that year so who was so for who, him who was nominated for director that year that would have been oliver stone who won for born on the fourth of july which is a very yep, yep, good yep, bit yep. of directing very good Woody Allen for Crimes and Misdemeanors, Kenneth Branagh for Henry V, Jim Sheridan for My Left Foot, and Peter Weir for Dead Poet Society. Oof. I think Do the Right Thing could have knocked Dead Poet Society off of there pretty easy. The other ones and are pretty it, strong. Well, and, and this it, that leads to a comment that I'm going to save until we get to Best Picture. Okay. But um, I think that that's exactly what you do with the Academy Awards is you go back and go, oh, I love Dead Poet Society. Really great movie. Not on the same level as these others. No. <laughs> not the not the films that we study. You know, I can I can break every one of these down. You know, even looking at Henry V from Kenneth Branagh, mm -hmm. you now see so many times where his speech that he gives to his troops, people have watched him do that Shakespearean yeah. speech, and it has been emulated in Braveheart and any countless yeah. number of films. Game of Thrones. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, somebody watched some Branagh. Yep. So, yeah. okay, I, I I'm stammering <laughs> around here, but I wanted Alfonso Cuarón to win, but yes. I know why I gave my vote because I love Spike Lee, yeah. and I think it is absolutely ludicrous again that he, he never one not even nominated the year of do the right thing which is considered right. to be one of his absolute masterpieces and a little bit of controversy that when he did not win he stood up and walked out of the room and there were reports that he had to be talked back into the room and he was visibly upset about it and all that other stuff so um if any of that's true um you know got to be got to be a little more gracious than that and uh who knows what he would have said if he had won for uh best director <laughs> and well and i heard time. that too and i thought okay this is the moment when you say i really respect you you got to grow up yeah because all this is is a silly award right. and ultimately you you will continue to make great films you will be remembered as probably one of the greatest yep. african-american filmmakers of all time yep he's still got plenty of plenty of food on his plate and yep. talent in him and yes it's it's difficult but that's what i would say the same thing all right, let's get down to the big moment of the night. And again, after seeing the way that everything went, 
I did not know how things were going to end. Uh, so that brings us to best picture. Who do we have there? We have Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. So we had, uh, for best picture, um, you and I both went with Roma. Um, after much discussion with everything else, I think we were also eyeing Bohemian Rhapsody with Black Klansman. Um, I don't know how much discussion we had about Green Book, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Your 2019 best film, the one that will be now all of the DVDs and electronic copies you buy, we'll, we'll put on there that it was best film, was Green Book. And I only play that sound effect because it it's the only thing that I could come up with it literally how my heart felt nothing against Green Book and those people that worked hard on it and made a great film but I was I was it would shock me I was I, it was the last shock for me it was time for bed I let out such a groan <laughs> that when I walked into the kitchen to see my wife and daughter all before I could speak my wife said I already told Abby that you're very upset <laughs> Yeah, and I said, "Here it is again. Yep, here it is again that the Academy does something stupid." And as the awards went along, as the night went along, I really did find myself going, "Oh God, they're going to give this to Bohemian Rhapsody." Right, right, right. And but suddenly, I had a moment of clarity right after Best Director, and I thought, "There's no way in hell they give it to Bohemian Rhapsody because of Brian Singer being the original director who's dismissed from yeah. the film, yeah, because he went to take care of his parents." but also has some pretty serious allegations against him. There's no way the Academy goes, we're going to give this because no matter what, this person is associated with the nightmare that would have gone along. Right. That's why that didn't happen. Right. So Green Book winning, I, I, I've already said I didn't like the movie. Um, I'm trying to think of how, you know what, I'm going to go to what I, I teased earlier. Sure. Within moments of it winning, a tweet came out that was pretty widely circulated that said something like this isn't it amazing when the academy can already look 20 years in the future and know oops that was a stupid choice <laughs> and i thought that's exactly it 20 years from now they're going to be looking and you can look at a number of films here mm -hmm. black panther mm -hmm. like Klansman, roma star is born as films that people will still be discussing to mm -hmm. some extent mm -hmm. Green Book will not be that film. And no. you also talk about the controversy that goes on behind it, that the family of the mm -hmm. men basically say it's a lie. Mm -hmm. um, the the shortchanging of the conversations that need to happen within the characters in the film is horrifically done. Yeah, it's To me, it's, it's the same as Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's a film that they didn't look at the accuracy of the story. They weren't brave enough to dive deep into their story. No. And it's just a cursory Hollywood film. And yet, through the flames of disappointment, arises the phoenix known as Todd, who through thick and thin, through voting with his heart versus his mind, two times in a row, the two-time champion, with a score of 14 to 9, I think, beats out me, beats out, beats out his nemesis, I don't know, I'm getting creative now, to win the uh 2019 todd versus jeff um oscar prediction show 
Thank you, kids. And just knocks it out of the park. And I think even this year was more difficult than what your task was last year. So congratulations to you. You are 2-0. and I am. I am still. I'm in the part of the Rocky film where he can't do a push up, and he's like, you know, <laughs> he can't do anything, and he's trying to. He's trying to strengthen it. So, I will be doing the proverbial movie push ups uh, starting now, and be better prepared. I want to break. I think last year it was 18. Maybe I've broken 10, but I want. I want to get above 15 next year. I need to. I need to. I need to get higher. But congratulations to you. A lot of fun. Did get some feedback from some kind listeners. We may expand it out a little bit and get some other people playing and some other uh, participants to see what they can do. But uh, cool. uh, tip of the cap to you, uh, Todd. Great job. What are the wise words from this year's champion? Always pick the film you hate. No, I'm. Uh, you know, it, it. Once again, it's it's a typical award show. It's. It's the things that it's it's a science. You look at what they do, and you yeah. literally can say that's what they're going to do. This is how who they're going to pick. This person's not one. They're going to award this person this award because they don't want to give them that one. Right. That's those are my wise bits of wisdom. Is just always pick the science. Well, again, congratulations. I'm I'm happy you did it. It was a lot of fun to do. It was fun to watch. Um, and that'll do it for this episode as we are running a bit long and, and thank Todd and Todd's family for, for putting up with me, stealing him away for this amount of time. Todd, do you have any gigs this week? Anything you want to let those local kind listeners in Dallas know where you're going to be, where they can come out and meet you, maybe get a signed autograph mug? <laughs> Just do me the favor, please actually bring one of your mugs from home for me to sign because we don't have any swag yet. We don't have, we any, don't do that. We don't have any merch. Right. We're working on merch. I have no gigs this week, but I will tell okay. you that very soon the other band that I've I've been playing with, which is a, a seven piece band, including myself, mm. we've recorded some stuff, and I'll I'll share it here pretty soon Ooh. when it's actually mixed and done. Oh, congratulations! Maybe we can submit it for Oscar, our best song. We'll get Lady Gaga to come <laughs> in and sing. Awesome. It. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of The Other Kind Radio. Again, many, many thanks to my co-host, Todd, who every week just knocks it out of the park, does a great job. Thank you to the kind listener. We appreciate you coming back each week and listening. Thank you to the new kind listener. Maybe this is the first show you're hearing. You're going, oh, my God, it's been an hour and a half, and I haven't done anything. I haven't learned anything, and I don't know why I'm still listening. We appreciate you lending us your ear for this time so we can talk on it. Nothing major coming up in Omaha. Nothing major to announce. However, if you do like charred hot wings, check out Caddyshack on 120th and Blondo. Damn some good wings. Love them. All right. Until next week, have a good week. Enjoy. Be good. Have fun. We are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio. The other kind of radio.